I want it and <clears throat> I want to bring something to the church family. Um <clears throat> Sorry. I've, um, I shared a little bit with the elders recently when we met. Um, felt like felt like it's a new day for the church. Um, and. Um, it's hard these moments because you feel like I don't know, you know. I, I don't know if if I even should be declaring stuff, you know. Um, these guys are the elders, and um, but I shared with them that I felt like it's a new day for the church. Um, a while ago, a friend of mine, a really prophetic girl, she texted me a message, she doesn't know anything about our church, and she said um, she saw this window at Victory Church, and everybody who was willing to step up in any form, the enemy would just take them out, just shoot, and it was an easy target to take anybody out, anybody in leadership, And I know the church has had a challenge over the last few years with losing people. Um, <clears throat> and then and then Donna shared something last night which was seriously powerful. I'm going to just go with a few things and then if there's time I'll preach. Um, Donna, are you around? But she's, she's doing finance. Okay, I'm going to do my best, Donna. So he was sharing that he's been studying um, a bit of David and Goliath, and um, he realized something. He realized that uh, the giant, the giant um, Goliath, tried to speak a curse over the land, over the people of God, and then this teeny tiny little guy stood up and said, how dare you speak a curse against my God and my people. And I, you know, you guys can weigh this up, but I just feel like this is a moment where God says, I'm drawing a, la a line in the sand and I'm saying, how dare you speak a curse against my people. My people will flourish. I feel like what Donna brought last night at Activate was massive um, and we should not miss that moment it was a massive moment for the church um, the stuff that Joe and Butzer brought was just I mean man I, I would pay good money for your voice eh Butzer a preacher with a voice like that man that is gold <laughs> but yeah it was these moments 
I just want to pause for one second and capture them and say, I, f I think these guys can wait together. I think something se seriously significant is happening here. And, uh, and that God is going to do something so new and so powerful. And that God wants us to have the mindset of a David. He wants us to say, how dare you? How dare you speak curses against my people? God wants us to again understand who he is and live in the power of that. Um, is Sean, Sean and Ronin, are you guys here? Can you say yes? Yeah. Cool. I'll speak to him afterwards. Felt like I, God was giving me a word for Sean. And Amy, where's Amy? Amy in here? Oh, she got out. Does anyone? Has she gone to do kids' work or something? Yeah? Not. Okay, cool. So both people, I'll catch them after. <laughs> Good morning. Um, it's really good to be here again this morning. Um, I'm going to do my best to speak into um, part two of what we've called Life in the Spirit as part of our deeper series. And um, can, I, can I go like this? Forgot my shoes, sorry. Um, the heart behind this series um, is that we will take action, isn't it? The heart is that we will that we will not only be hearers, that we will not only be people who nod and smile, that we will not be people who agree with the things that people share, but that we will do something, that we will, that we will directly ap apply these principles from Scripture. Because when we do, we instantly position ourselves under the promises. You apply the principles, you position yourself under the promises. And that is just exactly where we need to be. So we spoke last week, um, as much as you can say in that space of time, about life in the Spirit when we gather. And some of the things, you know, that should be a normal occurrence for us. So again, if you're visiting and you're wondering um, what is happening here, what, what, you know, is it normal for people to say, well, there's some serious stuff happening spiritually when the saxophone does what it does. If, if we read Scripture, we think, this isn't, this isn't weird. This isn't something special. This is just the normal Christian life. This is just the stuff we should expect, you know. We should expect that when God gifts someone and anoints something, whatever that thing is, they're all different, but it's the same spirit as we saw last week. And it can bring incredible freedom and breakthrough for people. It's interesting that the saxophone thing was mentioned because I looked over to Chesie over there. And at some point, he just had this look on his face when he was playing the intro to a song. And I thought, man, it just feels like this is warfare. It feels like this guy is going, he's doing the David and Goliath thing in that moment. He's like saying, I am playing this thing. He had a, he had, it was a look of like, this is a big moment. And this morning, we're going to look at life in the Spirit um, as we scatter. Amy, you're back. Good. 
Also announcing that she has a mobile phone, David. Or someone else has a mobile phone. It's Cheslin. He's making war. I said with a guitar, I think you've taken it way too far with a smartphone situation. Amy, um, will you be embarrassed if I ask you to stand quickly? I, um, uh, last night I felt God give me a word for you, and um, then I just wanted to spend the night, so I spent last night praying a little bit, I spent this morning praying a little bit, and then as I woke up this morning and I spent time praying, I just instantly felt it in my hands, so I want you to put out your hands. I feel God's going to use your, I feel God's going to use your hands to make sick people well. I pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you distribute different gifts to different people. And today, I ask, activate something supernatural, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amy, I want you to know that you will think I must go pray. And then you mustn't stay where you are. You must go pray. Because I think God's got this real incredible gift on your life. You believe it? Cool. So keep stepping out. Keep being brave. He's going to do amazing things. Okay, so. Old school. Hopefully I don't trip over myself. You know, we're asking... This question, if Sundays and our midweek connect groups and our youth gatherings um, are these gatherings where we, we come and make much of God, and, uh, and when we make much of God, we saw last week, if we make much of God, interestingly and bizarrely, He also meets us in that moment. We draw near to Him, He draws near to us, and then He shapes stuff in our lives, and somehow that overflows, and it begins to touch people, and it begins to be a blessing to people the way he intended it to be. The question that I ask a lot of questions, and the question that I ask myself is, is that it? You know, is it confined to, we, we get together, we have a good time, the Christian brothers and sisters, and some of our friends who may not yet follow Jesus, but they've, they've come and spent some time with us, do they then experience some of that, whether they experience it from their seats or whether they actually find that someone chats to them or God actually meets with them and they come forward and someone prays. So, so is that it? Is that where it stops? Does it stop at that meeting or in that house or on the beach on a Friday night with the youth or wherever it is that they meet? And the, the answer for me is a clear no. It's supposed to not only be exclusive to our gatherings, but it's supposed to be something that we do every day. It's something that should shape and be an essential element of the rest of our week. We spoke about three things that happen when we gather together last week. We glorify God. We encounter His Spirit. He empowers us. We, we looked at this verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, and 
I read a couple of translations, but for today, I'm just going to stick to the message. And it says this, each person is given something to show who God is. Amy, you're going to pray for sick people, and that's going to show people who God is. Isn't that cool? Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. So I, I'm just mentioning that because I want us to keep that at the forefront as we consider the rest of the text together today. All of us, all of us should position ourselves that we may receive and that we may give. We should expect to get stuff when we meet with God, and we should expect that it almost instantly flows from us to someone else. Even as I was reading these verses that we're going to look at, as I was poring over them this week, I just found my faith and my expectation of what God can do through me go through the roof. Read the Bible as often as you can. It'll do you good. I want to show you what I mean. You know, earlier in this year, I don't know if you remember other stuff that happened in the year, but earlier in this year, we looked at some passages um, in Acts in one of our earlier series around the middle of the year. I want to look at some of those verses again, some other ones also. Just trying to look at it from a slightly different angle to what we spent our time doing back then. The first verse, if you're a Christian... This is quite a a familiar verse, I guess. Um, uh, This is something that, uh, especially in churches where we expect these charismatic gifts to show up, um, we would would often quote this. um, And um, it says this, But you, so Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's saying it's better that he goes. And then he says, I'm going to go. And then he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. So if if you're wondering, should this stay in the room? No. There's the answer. We could stop the preach right there. You should be telling people about me everywhere in Judea, throughout, sorry, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Don't you love Jesus' mindset? Don't you think Fishuk needs it? It's beautiful that we love the valley because we should. But our expectation should be that this that we've got could reach the end of the earth. That should be our expectation. And it should be, this is a hard prayer to pray, but this is the prayer you should pray. God, if you want me to go, I will. And don't say, but remember also I love Fishuk. Just, if you're willing to go, God will do the most incredible things through you. And if the best thing he has for your life is for you to stay, you will. And if the best thing for your life is for you to go, trust me, you do not want to be anywhere else. Parents, the best prayer you can pray over your children is that God will take them to the ends of the earth. 
I'm not throwing it out. I've got two small children. And it's the first thing I did in hospital. When my children were born and they put them in my hands, that's the first prayer I prayed over Nathan and Elizabeth. God, if I don't pray this now, I'm never going to pray this. I'm going to want to hold them. I'm going to never want to let them go. But I prayed, God, whatever you want to do with their lives and wherever that takes them, that's my prayer. That's what we should do. That's the attitude God wants us to have. And these, these believers, these disciples, these friends of God, friends of Jesus, they believe him. Sometimes we nod and we smile. These people believe him. And they don't just believe him, they act. They get into a room. They position themselves. And they don't get fed up after the first 15 minutes of silence. Have you noticed how incredibly impatient we are with silence? We, it's awkward, isn't it? Silence is so awkward for so many people. But in, in the silence, the most incredible things break through. And these people wait. They're not fed up. They're together. They're focused. And then just as he promised, he sent his spirit. He always does what he says he will do. Whatever he gives you, you can take to the bank. And the Bible says these guys and girls, when they were questioned afterwards, they described it. They said, the only way we can describe it is we were in this room and the craziest thing happened. It sounded like the southeaster from Fushuk was in our room. It was there. It was loud like a mighty, thunderous, rushing wind. And then they said, I, we know this is going to sound crazy, but when we looked across the room, it looked like there were flames on people's heads. They had no better way to do this. They said, this, this is the best we can describe this thing as. When the power of God is at work in a room, nothing stays the same. It's tangible. It's visible. You can hear it. You can see it. And it's in operation, and it changes the room. That upper room, the people in the room changed. The atmosphere in the room changed. And incredibly, everything outside the room changed as a result, didn't it? It was not just noise for the sake of noise. It's not just a saxophone because we have nothing else to do because the band didn't have enough songs ready. Do you know what I mean? Or it's not just, we know you can play nicely, so, and we like hearing what you want to play, so we'll just sit back, close our eyes, and have a good time. It's not just noise or a sound or something beautiful for the sake of it. It had clear purpose. Because the people outside the room, the Bible says the people outside the room heard the sound. So the people inside the room didn't make it up. The people outside the room heard the sound. It was such a big deal. They thought, something crazy happened. We better go and check it out. And when the first one started running, all the other sheep followed, didn't they? Everybody wanted to see. 
what was going on inside the room. And the Bible describes them as devout Jews from various different nations. Do you know, when we just look at the finer detail, we realize God's plan of Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth was already in action. He thought, these disciples are going to take this word outside, but he thought, there's people out there, their lives are about to change because of the sound, and they are from all different places. So as their lives are changed, they will do the same thing. They will go, and I'm purposefully bringing people from all different parts of the world. Maybe they are all the same kind of person. They are a devout Jew, but they all speak different languages. They're about to go and influence different people. Isn't he amazing? We must always look out for the finer details in there. They all came running to see what caused this massive sound. And the Bible says whatever it was, the Spirit of God, this power of God that was made available it caused the disciples to begin to sing praises to God no longer in their natural tongue. But they were singing praises to God so that when these people arrived from all different spaces and all different places, they heard other people making much of God in their mother tongue. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God so loving and so kind and so after each individual person. It's beautiful, isn't it? Some of them are thinking, the Bible says, what on earth is happening here? And others, the skeptics are saying, no, they are just drunk. Now, I just want to pause for one second and say, we all know, not from own experience, of course, but we all know what other drunk people are like right? And all the drunk people I've ever met, here is one thing they all have in common. Once they've got a few drinks in them, yeah, what happens to them is they suddenly get the ability with real clarity to sing praises to God in a foreign language. It's the most stupid thing anyone could ever say, right? Skeptics sometimes run out of things to say. And then they say something stupid like, nah, they're just drunk. They totally had, you know, every drunk person knows you've suddenly got the ability to speak a foreign language. Now, some people will say, yeah, I, I was, you know, whatever that was. It's, that's not clarity. That's not praising God so that someone else takes notice. But Peter, Peter, who's really clever and in tune with the Spirit, the same Spirit that's at, in, in operation in all of our lives, so the same voice that's available to your and my ears, Peter does something clever in this moment. Instead of being a little bit frustrated like me, thinking, how stupid are you to make that statement? Peter says... I've got an opportunity here, don't I? And that's how he wants us to live. In anticipation that when we leave the room, opportunities are available everywhere. Check this out. He says this. No. 
What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy, and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs, sounds, sights on the earth below, blood and fire and cloud of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But... Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He begins quoting an Old Testament prophecy. If you're a child of God, it's important for us to know some of the words of the Bible. Because when the opportunities arrive, we could quote Scripture because in that is life and it can change anybody's heart in an instant. It's totally worth having a few Scriptures up your sleeve. And if you don't, it's okay Smartphones are wonderful. You can, if you just remember kind of part of the verse, type it in, get it up, and quote that verse. It's a game changer. So he quotes Old Testament scripture to these people, and then he shows them how the story of Jesus connects with all of that. And as he does, and they keep preaching, you read a little bit further, and the Bible says 3,000 people believe the words that he speak, that he speaks, and then they're baptized. 3,000 people. That's a lot, you're right. So, there's a sound in a room because people were willing to wait for the power. And that power, see, you and I go out and we, with the best intentions in the world, and some stuff may happen. You and I have our own upper room experience. We go out and seriously big things happen. And I'm not discounting a seriously big thing happening in the life of one person. Because it's massive if one person ends up going to heaven. But we should expect incredibly big and powerful things to happen if we've been filled with the power. I'm just going to give myself an amen for that one. Well done, Sydney. There's something about being together. There's something about being together and being in anticipation, being expectant, receiving that which is promised, and then being alert to our circumstances around us. You know, don't just think that was just a random statement think that random statement is a huge opportunity. Before I prepped this, I was saying to John earlier this week, I think, or maybe end of last week, I went to the gym. Didn't have to say that. You guys could obviously spot for yourselves. These, these guns don't come cheap. That's why the lady in the front row married me. Anyway, so I go to the gym and I'm about to leave, and I see this guy that I see there all the time, and he's really friendly. So I get chatting. Next moment, he's like, are you going in here? I'm like, oh, steam room again. 
I had a steam room experience a few weeks ago where I prayed for someone who has cancer, which is also another story, amazing. So don't, don't despise the moments around the steam room, everybody. But I stand there and he goes, are you going in? I'm like, yeah, I'm going in. Because I'm like, this is a moment. And then we start speaking and he says, he says something about, oh, isn't it incredible what's happening? And you know, we, we talk about sports. And so um, I say to him, did you see that world record? And he's like, yeah. And he says, oh, you know, the, the dude from Kenya that, that runs faster than all of us could drive our cars, you know, that guy, who who's basically sprints for two hours, doesn't he? Or no, it's like, I'm lying. Just under two hours, this time around, he sprinted and did the whole thing. And then this guy says, yeah, but it's not going to be official. You know, he needed like a motorbike. I'm like, he had a motorbike next to him. He needed a motorbike to pace him. I'm like, he didn't need a motorbike. The motorbike was there as a form of encouragement. This man is fast. That's what I was thinking. I didn't get upset. I was like, yeah, yeah. It's not official. It's not an official marathon. Yeah, he had 47,000 people pace him. And none of them stuck with him the whole time because they can't. They can't run the whole race with him because none of them are, are, are that fast, are they? The motorbike gave up after a while, for goodness sake. So anyway, he's doing this, and I'm like, yep, it's not official. It's still real. It won't be in the Guinness Book of Records, but that man still run. Oh, he runs so fast. It's incredible. Anyway, so then he says to me, and that's why I'm a Darwinist. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's why I came into the steam room. It's longer than 10 minutes, and my brain is starting to spin. Not from all the other, like, oh, it's never going to be official, blah, blah, blah. My brain's on its spin because I'm like, steam rooms, we should only be in there for a few minutes. Then this guy says, and that's why I'm a Darwinist. He lives in Kenya, so obviously he's fast. I was like, that is a great statement and a great conclusion to have come to after all of that. He lives in Kenya, he needs a motorbike, blah, 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 and that's why he made it under two hours. But you know what stuck with me more than all the stuff that irritated me is the fact that he said, and that's why I'm a Darwinist. And I genuinely had to go. But I said to Jono, I'm at the gym almost every day at the same time as him. And that's why I believe in Jesus. So trust me, I'm going back in the steam room. <laughs> but you know what I've done? In the meantime, I've been praying I actually got up one morning early this week, and I was like, there's a few things that I just need to pray for. And I went down to the sea, beautiful place. You know, you may as well make use of the opportunities, mind you. So got in the water, had my Bible, coffee, prayed, and I was like, God, that Darwinist, me and him, we're going to talk. And I'm going to show him your love. I want to seize the, I want to take this opportunity, meaning we're going to chat. He can make his own choice after that. But there's no way in the world that man is not going to hear about Jesus. I'm telling him. I'm your man, God. God wants us to make use of every opportunity that's in front of us. Not all of us like talking to strangers, especially in steam rooms. But whatever your thing is, do it. Where am I? <laughs> Bishop.
People make random statements around us all the time, don't they? We need to be wise like Peter. Check this out. He has another, another example. It's in Acts 3 this time, just a little bit further along, verse 9 to 13. All the people saw him walking. Sorry, context, context, context. There's this guy who's crippled, and he begs every day. And he's asking for money because he can't walk. He can't do his job or the job that he would possibly like to do. And people just, I guess, every now and then give him some money, right? Then these guys who are in the upper room, isn't it crazy? They're in the upper room. They meet with God. They get filled with power. They go outside. They say, do you know what? We don't have anything to give you, buddy. Oh, sorry. Actually, let's rephrase that. We have something to give you. We don't have money. We don't have gold. We don't have silver. We've got Jesus. He can sort your legs out. They pray. His legs get sorted out. It's amazing. And then all the people around him who knew him saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized who he was, the lame beggar, the guy who they'd seen so often at the gate, beautiful, they were absolutely astounded. Isn't it amazing? God does something. People are astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know if he's still, if his legs are still a bit wobbly. You know, the strength is still returning. Or whether he's just like, these guys changed my life. I'm not letting them go. They've got something big going on, yeah? And then look at this, Peter. What does Peter do? He sees an opportunity. Peter's always looking out for an opportunity. You and I, once we have our upper room experience, once we come to church, once we go to connect group, once we have our prayer time with our wife or with our housemates or alone, and we get filled with this power, we should look out for opportunities that are everywhere. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power and godliness? For it is the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. There's something about Peter. He seems to be the kind of person who lives with, he lives with intentionality, doesn't he? He lives with expectation and he's constantly looking. Where? Where? Where is the opportunity? Where is it? He's simply jumping on the back of everyone's amazement. Saying, this is the normal Christian life, people. Join the party. He says to them, this Jesus doesn't only heal legs. He restores souls. He can change your life forever. And you don't have to wait until you get to heaven one day. You can experience all of the goodness right here on earth. Amazing. Last one. Acts 4. Sure, I really got thrown at the start there during the worship. I apologize a little bit if I look like I'm all over the shop here, but God was just busy doing stuff. So I didn't get my Bible ready or anything. So these guys, they've prayed, this guy's got healed, 
and this is the reaction of some of the people. It says, the leaders, the leaders in the area, the religious guys, they were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is the resurrection of the dead. Isn't it amazing? Good stuff starts happening, the religious leaders start freaking out. And then it says, they arrested them. And since it was already evening, they put them in jail until the morning. They just put them somewhere where they can't cause any more trouble. Where they can't rain on our parade. Let's put them away for just a night. We'll deal with them in the morning. And then it says this, but even though all of that happened, but many of the people who heard the message believed it. And the number of men who believe now totaled 5,000. It's one chapter later in the Bible, after the 3,000. And the total has shot up to five. I, I don't know, none of us know, what other stuff happened in the meantime, but all we could read about is one extra miracle. One extra miracle, one extra opportunity. I'm assuming there may have been more individual opportunities along the way. Even if it was another 2,000 individual opportunities, another 2,000 people responded. Isn't it amazing? And they were counting, yeah. And then you get to the book of Acts chapter 8. Loads of the things for the disciples are getting significantly more challenging. You know, but you can only be amazed at the character that the Holy Spirit has shaped in these men and women. In just, this is three years later, so three short years, look at the character since the upper room experience that's been shaped in these people. The believers, Acts 8.4, but the believers who were scattered, people who lost everything, who lost their jobs, who lost their homes, who lost their comfort, all of, the, all of those kind of things, preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. So even in the worst possible scenario, they learned from Peter and the other guys and they said, we're going to use every opportunity. Even if God asks you to move over the mountain and you lose everything, It will be scary. Who knows what's on the other side of that mountain? There's another mountain just further away. It's quite pretty. Regardless of the circumstances they find themselves in, whether it was people with standard questions, skeptics, extreme circumstances like persecution, the upper room disciples who were filled with the Spirit of God flourished. And the result is that the message of Jesus spread rapidly. Hebrews 13.8 says this. It says, well, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing about him has changed. And so, he wants you and me to have our own upper room experiences. And when we have them, whether it's in the context of us being with other people, or whether we're alone, or whether we've got up early and gone to the beach, or whatever it is in your, in your chair where you read your Bible, wherever that space is for you, 
He wants us to have our own upper room experiences. He wants us to trust that he still is the same and that he still wants to give us the power. And then he wants us to know that when we get the power, the reason for the power is because he wants us to be his witnesses. And he wants us to be very alert to skeptics and people who make throwaway silly statements and people who are amazed when Amy lays her hands on the sick and sees them healed. I mean, your friends will just, you'll be praying for someone, maybe even at school you'll be bold and you'll pray for someone and they'll get better and then the people around will use the opportunity to say to the others, it's easy. Once you know Jesus, this stuff is easy. God wants to use you guys and me, not only for us in this context, but for our valley and for the city and for the nations of the earth. Last week I said one of the key elements that makes up a charismatic church is that that it's a place that's filled with individuals that are regularly filled with the Holy Spirit. If we want to experience what the early disciples experienced, copy them. Position yourself. Midweek, position yourself on a Sunday. Position yourself, if you're married with your wife or with your husband, position yourself with your family. If you're in a house share, position yourself with your friends. Maybe there's even people at work. Position yourself with them. When you're alone in your quiet time, position yourself before God Almighty. And then the smile, the hug, the, oh, I hear God saying this. I'm going to take a chance. Say this. All of those moments encourage, lift up downcast souls and watch them fly. Another thing I mentioned, which makes up a charismatic church, to be honest, which just makes up people living the normal Christian life, is Christians who are shaped and governed by the Spirit. I'm going to land with this. You helped me so beautifully earlier, Lance, because you were standing over there at the end, and at some point you just glanced over to Eve just to make sure you were in tune with what she was doing. And I thought, oh, I could land could land this talk on this bad boy. Galatians 5.16, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. Imagine you're in another country. Imagine there's a mountain. Imagine you're about to climb it, and you don't know where to start or how you're going to get to the top. And suddenly a local guide arrives and says to you, Hey, I climb this mountain all the time. I take people up all the time. I'll take you up. You don't have to pay me. Today is one of those days when I just feel like, yeah, I'm going to take someone up for free. Imagine it's in Turkey because they have a shame honor culture. So wherever, whichever guests arrive, they're never allowed to pay. So let's imagine we're there. Beautiful mountain. We're going up. We're going to eat Turkish food along the way. It's beautiful. Going to drink tea five times before we get to the top. It's amazing. So all of those things are happening. And this guide says to us, just quickly go for a toilet stop. It's about two hours before we get to the top. As you come out, get some sunscreen on. It get quite, gets quite hot. Take some stuff out of your backpack. It looks a bit heavy. I've got a locker there. You can just lock it away. It's, everything will be safe. Don't worry. So they set you up at the start. Without that, you may have gone up halfway thinking, 
jeepers, now I need a lube break. But they've already set you up at the start. And then as you go up, they do the normal thing. Where are you from? How are you doing? Do you have children? Oh, cool. What brings you to Turkey? Why did you want to climb this mountain? So they're getting to know you. They're getting closer to you. And as you get closer, then they start saying, ooh, Eve, just watch out there. There's a, there's a little animal there that that thing could take you out. Just walk. Come this way. You know? And then you walk in and say, okay, we're about to get to a place that's a little bit more steep. So now you're going to have to just lean back. But you can trust me. We can, I, I, I've seen you go. You, you're fine. You're going get to up, get up here just quite easily. And then when we're just around that little bit over there, we're going to go around the corner and we're going to rest. And then we'll keep going. Da, da, da. That's how it works, isn't it? But what you need to do is you need to trust the guide. You need to be governed by the guide. Yeah? Otherwise, you don't make it to the top. Or otherwise, you make it to the top in bits and pieces. But there's this beautiful thing that says, well, the scriptures that say, keep our eyes on the Spirit, be in tune with the Spirit, stand here and go, what, what is Eve doing right now? I, just, I don't want to be out of tune with that. I want to make a beautiful sound along with Eve. That's what this is about. You and I, if we want to know how do we live this life out there, just keep our, eye on the, keep our eye on the guide, the helper, the advocate, the one that's closer than anyone else, the one that whispers, the one that says, hey, watch out there. Just walk around that, this way. Stop. This is time for a water break. Be refreshed. We keep our eyes and our ears open to what the spirit guide wants to say to us. And I'm not trying to be weird saying spirit guide. I mean the Holy Spirit that guides us if you're worried that I'm turning into some sort of a hippie. Can the band come back, please? Then as you and I go and do this normal stuff, we will see incredible things happen at our hands. Dave Penner, when you meet with people, just your, just your clients, he's going to use your life to change everything. People in Cape Town are going to go to heaven because you are cutting down their trees. Isn't it amazing? I think it's pretty cool. All right. Let's just stop there. Shan. Shan is coming to be obedient and brave, so she can tell you. I've said enough. Thank you. I'm going to do a while. <laughs> I'm going to take my time. I don't like the microphone at all. If you can just bear with me. Um, Lynn called a few people up last night that had been struggling with anxiety. And God said to me, He wants me to come up and just deliver a message of hope and encouragement. Um, because for the last year, I have struggled with anxiety. Not, I mean, first world stuff, just busyness of life, the hamster wheel, um, and my um, yeah, work, kids. I mean, all, nothing, nothing particular that was, um, that was difficult, but it was just all the, the busyness. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and I sat there and didn't want to come up, and my, I missed my opportunity. But I heard Dee's voice last night saying that he's gentle and kind. And he gives us another opportunity. So, being brave, um, got three messages last night, um, words, about being brave, and I think at the end of the day, brave means obedience. Eve spoke about two years ago, something that Rick Warren had said, and it's been with me ever since. It's not about me. And while I was sitting there, it's, I just thought, I'm not, I don't feel eloquent. I, um, if I don't have any notes, I can't bring my message across. And it's not about me. It doesn't matter how I say it. If God's got a message, he will, he will pass it on. Yeah, so my message that God had given me was how he gently brought me through the hard patches of stress, anxiety, and not feeling like I was coping. You know, I probably was winging it fairly, fairly well on my hamster wheel. And just in, in thinking about all these things, I thought it's so hard to, to be vulnerable, to show your weaknesses and your failures. And how common is this really? And my turnaround moment came, it was probably about a year ago, when Jono called us. And he asked me if we could lead a home group. And I said we couldn't, because I didn't have the capacity. And at that time, that was a turnaround point where I thought, where God was saying, look at your life. You know, with, with, all, with all the busyness came the consequences. Um, the the um, busyness of my life and the stress that um, things that was happening to my body started physically manifesting. I started getting a, a burning neck. Um, whenever I thought of anything that wasn't even completely stressful, it started just burning. So I took myself to the doctor, felt very silly doing it, didn't even tell my husband. <laughs> and I said, I need some faith pulls. Not quite, didn't say that to her, but I thought I need some something just to help me and give me faith to, to get over this. And sometimes it's a process. It didn't take a, a week or a, a month. It probably took about a year. But those are the consequences of our actions. You know, when I went to the doctor, she said to me, I can give you something to help you but what are you going to do to not need something just for the, to take the edge off right now? And I did a lot of soul searching. And I thought, I want to get to that place 
whack and say yes to Jono. Because that's, that's what's important. So for this last year, we've scaled down our activities, some of the kids' activities, because it's not all about them. It's about our family. We had plans to do some extensions with Chris, and I phoned Chris and I said, I can't do it right now. And with some of my work stuff, I had to put that aside. Just look what, what, what is really important. Time with our children. Time with others. Oh, I've just said, yeah, oh, we need to let God take the lead. And we have to have quiet times. moving on a little bit. Um, Lee gave me this most ridiculous name about four years ago called Shan Can. <laughs> and I thought that's a very silly name. And I think, you know, over the last while, it's made me believe in myself. I saw others that believed in me. Um, you know, when... Um, I started running about, we were on a, on a, um, uh, a trip away um, doing some, a race and all the ladies were doing bigger ones and I thought I can't do more, I didn't think I could do more than 5Ks um, and I was there doing a 10 and she was like, you can do a 21 and I said, I can't, you don't know me. And I had some words for a few people. Um, but they, none of them are here today, so I'll have to go to them directly. But I've recently, um, just over a month ago, did a marathon, which was incredible because I never thought that I would be able to run more than 5Ks. Uh, and to reach your full potential, you have to believe in yourself. And God wants us all to run a marathon. Not a running marathon, but he's got a marathon in mind for us, for each one of us. And it's not easy. But we can make it come true. He just needs us to be vulnerable, open, brave, and then obedient. You want to stand with me so we can pray about that together? <clears throat> Lord, we are positioning ourselves in this moment. And we want to be brave, Lord. The the marathon ahead of us of um, not sprinting just to the first person and celebrating when they receive you or feeling rejected when they don't. 
we want to position ourselves to run the spiritual marathon that Shan's encouraging us to run. We want to enjoy life in the Spirit when we scatter, Lord. And we want to position ourselves this morning and just, in a new way, say to you, we're in it for the long run, God. We want to go the full distance. And that we believe if you empower us, if you give us upper room experiences of our own, we'll run the best race we could ever run. It'll be the most beautiful race in the world. So I pray for my brothers and sisters that are here this morning, Lord, we say we're ready, Lord. We want to run, Lord. We want to hear what Shan says. It's, it's, it's not just about our preferences. This is not just about how our kids are going to feel about it. This is, this is the picture of the bigger family, the bigger church family, Lord. And we want to take our children and our young people with us as we run this race. Here in Fishuk, over the mountain, to the city, other parts of this country, and we want to believe that people from Fishuk could go to other parts of the world and that you could do extraordinary things through their lives because you've said that you want to. In Jesus' name, amen.